Welcome to the Paradigms and Perspective Podcast. I am your host, Joe Simmons, and on this podcast, we talk about paradigms and perspectives and how people can achieve different results just by changing their paradigm and their perspectives. Let's get started with today's episode. Small business owners. Yes, that's right. They make mistakes too. And a lot of times they make mistakes when they shouldn't make mistakes. But in today's episode, we're going to talk about the three biggest mistakes that most small business owners make. Let's get right into it. The biggest mistake, and I mean the biggest mistake that most small business owners make is that, you ready for it? They don't understand how to run a business. Yeah, that's right. They don't understand how to run a business. Yes, you may be good at a specific craft, but you don't understand business. And when you don't understand business, you have a huge problem. This usually because, number one, you don't think it's that important for you to learn how to run a business. You think because you're good at a job that, you know, that's to be sufficient enough. Number two, you don't want to hire a partner that understands the business because then uh, you feel like you got to split it. And then number three, you want to control it. And getting back also to number one, you just figure that you'll figure that out. But it's a huge, huge, huge mistake. I don't understand how they can be making these mistakes. But then again, I do understand how they can make these mistakes because they are small business minded. Why? Because they treat it like a job. When I was working in the Tampa Bay area, and I was there for four years of my life, the worst experience ever, but that's for later day, there was a lot of small business owners and a lot of businesses that were five employees or less, really one to three-man crews, and they just didn't understand how business worked. They treated it as a job. The only reason they had this quote-unquote business so that they could be a boss. They don't feel like they got to, you know, report to somebody. But really, instead of creating a business, they just create another job for themselves. But what really winds up happening, the negative effects that come from this, is because they don't know how to run their business. They don't understand cash flow. They don't understand cash flow. They don't understand expenses. They never took in a business course a day in their life or they haven't gotten any you know, training from anybody or learn from an expert. They see somebody with a business, they're like, hey, or they, they might even had a bad experience on a the job. They're like, hey, look, I'm sick of this. I'm going to go start my own company because I don't like the way the boss is treating me. So I can go become my own boss. How hard could it be? I'm smarter than him. Now, yeah, granted, you when it comes to a craft perspective, since you're doing all the work, yeah, your craft skills are better than his, but his business skills are better than yours so he doesn't have to learn how to do the craft if he can partner with somebody that does the craft and then he pays you based on what he feel like your value is to the company and what your value is to the marketplace but they don't understand business this is why a lot of them go out of business and this is why a lot of times the name changed so many times it's the same person but it done ran through like six or seven different Names of the business, but it's the same business, the same person, it's the same guy that is good at a trade, or yeah, mostly it's guys. I hate to say this now, 
at the same time, you do have some women, same thing. She might have been a hairdresser, a very good hairdresser. But once again, she don't know business neither. So she going to go out and start her own beauty shop. Or she might even do it out of her house initially. But what happened? It really never grows. It really never scales. Why? Because she don't know how to run a business. And she had the same cash flow problems as the landscaper or the handyman or any other trade skill that the guy may have. But they don't know how to run a business. And you got to understand how to run a business. You got to understand there's a craft and there's a business. You put a lot of time into your craft, but you don't put a lot of time into understanding the business. Then you want to know why you're having a hard time. Also, because you have a cash flow problem, you have a high burn rate, meaning that you're burning through the money very, very fast. So the money comes in, the money goes out. Because a lot of them, all they think is gas and payroll. Okay, how much money do I need? I need gas so I can go to these jobs. I need make payroll so I need to survive. Which leads to the next point is that they start living off the gross. They don't understand that. They live off the gross instead of the net. And sometimes what you should have did was you should have stayed at your company a little longer or you should have been planning this from the beginning. Hey, okay, cool. I'm going to stay here two, three, five, ten years, or whatever the case may be. And maybe you may build your business on the side. Who knows? But then again, you're going to probably, depending on the company, you might have a sign a, a non-complete clause or whatever saying that, you know, you're using the information or whatever the case may be. But if you do have to sign one of those, then find another skill, another hobby that you can do that's an offshoot. But still at the same time, put money aside, put money into your business. Or if you just do this as a hobby, as a part-time business. But at the same time, make sure you have a somewhat decent cash flow. You don't just start spending stuff because you don't have a main source of income. And then, like I said, the burn rate. The burn rate is very high. Your burn rate shouldn't be 80, 90, sometimes 110%. Where you're just burning through the money and you just... You you waiting on the next, you know, order. And normally you would have certain terms, but then you're trying to go back and negotiate the terms and tell you know, the person that you're doing the order for, hey, you know, usually, yeah, I know that I said, you know, I take, you know, uh, 10% down now and then, you know, the others in increments, but, hey, I need 50% now to start the job. Why? That's because you live. That's because you living off the gross. Soon as you get that fifty percent, what you gonna go? You gonna go spend it? I done seen it happen so many times at the bank. I done you be looking like they small business owners. They got a lawn service or whatever. You're like, man, like why they cash flow so low? You check the transaction history is because it came in and they took the money out. So they might have got it. And you see the memo line. It may say fifty percent deposit. So. Let's say, for example, if they got a fifty, they say it's a thousand dollar job, and they got a fifty percent deposit for a for five hundred dollars. They gonna go try to cash a check immediately because they gotta pay themselves and they gotta pay, you know, the other people a part of their crew. That's why you know they burn rate is so high and they living off the gross. And then, like I said, you check the transaction history and it's like, man, they can't never keep no money. Why? Cause they living off of it. 
we're not even gonna talking about the whole reasons why they want cash. Like that's a whole other reason why a lot of small business owners be trying to, you know, uh, want cash. But matter of fact, you know what? I'm gonna go right into it. A lot of small business owners they want cash. Why? Number one, they need the money immediately. Number two, they don't want to have to uh, have to either take it to their bank. Then the bank put a hold on it because the activity is low and they don't they can't really validate the third party funds. Or what they don't want to do is have to go to a, a third party bank to try to cash a check. You gotta wait for approval. You're wasting time. You still gotta get lunch. Everybody's hungry. And then that's less jobs that you could do in a day because you don't have the cash. You can't move from job to job. And then you gotta probably cancel or reschedule it and hope that that person don't find somebody else to do the job. And then also too, um for uh for 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 uh for tax filing purposes. So if they're in a couple or if they married or whatever the case may be, the woman will probably have a steady job and he's making money, but for tax purposes he's gonna show that he's not really making no money because everything is cash that he basically burning through it. So this also helps for the woman that she could say that she's single and really she's in a relationship or she's married, but she could say that uh, she's single or she's married, but she's filing separately. So that way she can probably get a, a higher income tax uh, return for the kids. And, you know, that, that helps them, you know, buy certain things. Or if he has, you know, certain money that come in, like I said, he could treat them to a vacation or a nice dinner or whatever other things, you know, that he wants to buy. If he does have to file taxes, he going to burn through the money. So that when he do file the taxes, they're not really going to get none out of it because it's primarily cash. There's no paper trail. You can't, it's hard to track that. So, uh, but he may be happy living a, a low level lifestyle and letting his woman, you know, make, you know, the money and they just survived that way. And that's just the hand that they dealt. But that just depends on, you know, if they make them happy or not. You know, it's what we call, in urban terms, you know, working under the table where you get the cash so that, you know, you can't, you know, worry about that. And then, too, or you can also do, he can also try to do tax evasion in the sense that don't pay no taxes. A lot of people do that, whether they get the cash and so they either pay little taxes or they just evade taxes altogether where everything is a cash business. It goes, as soon as it comes in, it goes back out. There's really no paper trail. So you can have people that went 5, 10, 15, 20 years without even paying taxes. Mostly they whole working career. But like I said, these people don't really go too far because, like I said, they don't know how to run a business. And, yeah, you need cash, but you're not really able to save nothing. You're not really able to invest nothing. So you only can have a certain type of lifestyle. So... Uh, mistake number one is that they don't know how to run a business and it's because, recap, they either don't think it's important, don't take the time, or they don't partner with somebody that can help them learn how to run a business to achieve longevity. The second biggest mistake that small business owners make is understanding customer service and customer experience. Now, Real quick, because most people know what customer service is, or at least they should know what customer service is, but 
Just because they know what it is, I don't mean that they're good at it. Customer service comes down to communication. Bottom line, it's as simple as that. Great customer service is based on communication. So if something changes, let the client or let the customer know. They shouldn't have to figure that out and wait till the last minute to figure out what's going on with their order or with the status or, or with business. Just communicate. Let them know. So if you order in a part from a computer place, let the customer know, hey, look, you know, uh, we know we said we're going to ship this out to you, but we got a delay or we're out of stock. So hopefully, you know, it'll come in. Something like that. Or if you get to a restaurant, let them know. If they say they want to order seafood, a specific seafood item, and you're out of that, let them know. Don't wait towards you get to the end of ordering everything, and then at the last minute, oh, yeah, we ran out of seafood. Well, when was you going to tell the customer or the client that you ran out of seafood? This is huge. People don't understand the point. Something simple as communication. Now with... Text, email, social media, any form of communication. Just communicate. People would appreciate that. Now, who knows? Maybe you know you don't want to tell the bad news, and maybe you think they're just going to forget about it. But all that does is increases the anger and the tension between you know the client or the or the product provider and the and the client. That's all it does. All it does is increase the tension between you and them. It doesn't do any good. It just makes stuff worse. And then now they can't wait to be finished and be done with you. And two things are going to happen. They're going to promise to either never do business with you again or only do business with you if they really have to. And then the second thing is they're going to tell everybody don't do business with you. Which is unfortunate because all you had to do was communicate. Now, yeah, you may now you may say, Joe, what about communicating? It's still go wrong. Then at least you did your part. That's all you could do. You let them know that hey, you know things are going not going according to plan, and that you you know you're implying that they need to have patience, you know, with them at this time. But that's all it takes. It's customer service. Like I done been to several restaurants where I've got. Good customer service, and I got bad customer service. I've been at restaurants where, and I hate to say this, but I've been at certain Red Lobster locations where, you know, I'm sitting there waiting, you know, 30, 45 minutes, and nobody said nothing. Nothing. I mean, we just sitting there waiting, and people coming and going, and we're looking like, hey, I put my name on the list. Well, like everybody else, I'm waiting on the rules. What happened? Then I finally sit down and, you know, we we about to get ready to walk out and they go get the manager and we talk to the manager and the manager's like, well, I'm sorry for that, you know, he gave us a a free appetizer, you know, on him. I mean, I felt like I should have got more than an appetizer, uh, but hey, it is what it is. I'll take that. Uh, this also brings back my experience with the, uh, with the Gaylord Palms, which I actually wrote a long letter, but that'd be a whole other podcast episode. I actually go into uh, my experience, which was not pleasant. And it was also when I was 
happy and I was celebrating my 30th birthday and that was just a whole experience in itself. But yeah, that was just bad customer service, you know, the communication, which also eventually led to bad customer experience. So now let's talk about customer experience. From my perspective, customer experience consists of four things. Customer service, the quality of the product of of the the quality of the product or or the quality of the service, the solution, and then customer satisfaction. So customer service, I've already went over. Uh, just make sure you communicate as best as you possibly can. Quality of the product or the service. Now, I like high quality, and as I said previously, I'm willing to pay more for a better quality, which usually is going to get give me a better experience. And there are a lot of people that you know that do that, but you want to make sure that your quality of the product or the service is adequate. Or I feel like it should be excellent, but there are going to be times where it's going to be low quality. But it also goes back to cost of value. And as I mentioned, you know, with the whole Walmart experiences in which um, it's low cost, so you're going to get low quality. But like I said, I prefer uh, higher quality. But hey, maybe you're on a budget or maybe that's just your paradigm that is limited and you know, you would rather just have uh, low quality. Uh, it's just like a debate I used to get into uh, with some of my coworkers in which, you know, if you got $5, would you rather buy five $1 low quality burgers or would you rather buy one good quality burger that's $5? Now they're going to, of course, try to, add all these criteria to it, but what if that's your last $5 and you're not going to eat for a week or whatever the case may be? Now, of course, a lot of them, because, you know, a lot of people come from that limited mindset, they said that they would rather have five low-quality burgers. I said I would rather have the one high-quality burger. And, you know, yeah, you're going to, yeah, you may, quote-unquote, be fuller or you may get more quantity but that doesn't mean you're going to get more quality. So, yeah, those five quantity burgers may, you know, fill you up. But who knows? Who's not to say one of those burgers may make you sick or you may have a allergic reaction to it or you may not be getting the nutrition that you need. So you're constantly eating these burgers. You're constantly full, but it's messing up your whole digestive tract. You're not taking that into consideration. Now, yeah, I may have this one high quality where they use the best ingredients and best nutrition. And, yeah, I spent that my $5 on one. But who's not to say that it lines up with my, dest- my digestive tract and my nutrition? Who's not to say that that, fi- that one $5 high quality burger might have been really what I really needed? And I'm over here doing great while you over here looking crazy because you done took those five $1 low quality burgers. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge quality guy. Not necessarily a cost guy. Uh, Cost of value. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Uh, The next thing is the solution. Now, it's not enough just to have good customer service and and good quality on the product or the service. But the main thing is, does does, does that product or that service accomplish the mission, which is the solution? Is that the perfect solution for that problem, for that need, for that want? Is it is it a, is it a good match? Because it's not enough to like I said to have a good product or service. 
and it doesn't meet the problem, the want, or the need that you have. It's not the solution. No matter how great it is and how great the customer service is, if you got the wrong product for the wrong problem, that is no bueno. That is definitely not good. So um, that definitely plays into the customer's experience because that's not what that person wants. So if you're not providing that solution, even if it's an alternative, yeah, it may, you know, that you may be out of stock or there may be some circumstances that you just can't change at the current moment. But most people, they, they buy stuff for solutions. That's the hard truth. Business is all about the exchange of products and goods in, ex- in exchange for currency that provide solutions. That's business one-on-one. That's business in a nutshell. And then lastly, which is uh, customer satisfaction. How satisfied is the customer? From 1 to 10, how satisfied are they? Is it a 1, which it was terrible? Is it a 2, they wanted to be over with? 3, they just shaking their head. They just can't believe they had that experience. 4, they're like, this is just so average. 5, um... You know, hey, you know, you get what you pay for. It was a low cost. I was in a rush. I didn't really have no time to think. So this is what I'm stuck with. Was it six? Uh, it met my needs, but I'm not really impressed. Was it seven? You know, good quality. Customer service wasn't too bad. So it was it, it was okay. You know, it, it was satisfactory. Was it eight? Um, they went a little bit above and beyond. Wasn't really expect that, but you know, still overall a positive experience. Was it nine where you're like, yeah, man, this is what I'm talking about. This is a great experience. This is really, this is really what other companies should be doing. They should take notes. And then is it ten? Is it just an experience out of this world? It's just like it's an anomaly, something that just doesn't happen too often, and. You just can't wait to go back. Like, they earn your business. As long as they don't mess it up, they earn your business. Or even when you interact with this company, like, it don't matter what it is. You just buy it. Just Nah, it's to the point that you're just buying it for the brand. And you're buying it for the experience. It don't matter what they sell you. You know, they could have sold you something that, you know, the solution just met the needs. But if the customer service was amazing the quality of the service or product was amazing like i said the solution could have been just met and then you are satisfied with that because you're satisfied with the brand then you know you know you'll give that customer uh experience a 10 and number three long-term thinking yes a lot of small business owners don't have long-term thinking they think very short term because I get it. They're looking at, okay, this is my business. They have a small business mindset. They have a limited mindset and they go based on what they can see, the data, the facts, the history of their business. So they're like, well, hey, you know, this is what I've always done. This is what worked for me so far. So, uh, and I can't worry about tomorrow. I have to worry about today because I can't worry about what if. So I'm, I'm a realist or I'm practical or I'm living in reality and I'm not living in foo-foo, visionary, dreaming world. Like, this is what it is today. So, 
I'm dealing with today and I'll deal with that in the past in, in the future, should I say, not the past. Correction. So but they don't think about it. Like it's just temporary. And then when the business slows down or the brand is not as strong and then they wondering, you know, why? Like what happened? Like it's because you didn't think long term. And this comes down to really two things. Transactional and relational. Let's start with transactional. Once again, it's just a transaction. Now, big businesses can get away with this because, like I said, they have a lot of transactions coming in and their brand is semi-strong and people are going to constantly, constantly go back to them. So it don't matter. A good example that I always use, which uh, it seems like I love to talk about Walmart these days, but Walmart is exactly that. They understand that over two-thirds of the entire human population lives on less than $2 a day, right? So Walmart has everything, low prices, as they like to say. So it's very transactional. It's just like I talked about before. They hire low-quality people to meet the demands of low transactions. So they don't have to pay them a lot because everything is transactional. Like I said, you can go and complain to the manager, but that's not going to do anything. I don't know that. Because you got to eat, because you got to survive, because you have needs, because you have wants, they know that the average person is not going to leave an empty cart full of merchandise there. And if they do, then the associates got to come back and put that up. But for the most part, Walmart don't have a lot of abandoned carts in their stores. So you can be in line for two hours waiting to scan your stuff because what? Everything is cost. It depends on your livelihood. So what? Wait, you're not going to wait two hours and be like, man, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to go somewhere else. Because you're trying to get the most bang for your buck. You're trying to get quantity over quality. And like I said, they understand that most people have low financial incomes. So you have to mercy them. So you ain't got no choice. Because it's all transactional. And like I said, even if you have a bad experience... I hate to say it, but most of us still go to Walmart. You still got to go to Walmart for something. Like, it don't matter. Like I said, me, growing up, Walmart used to be my favorite store. But that's because I was a kid. I didn't really know no better. And like I said, I went in there for action figures. And it was a great time. I was a kid. Now that I'm older, now I'm an adult. Now that I'm a father... And, you know, I'm really, you know, becoming more of a seasonal business professional. My mindset and my paradigm and my perspective have completely changed. But I still have to go to Walmart for certain things. Because Walmart sells almost everything. Now, you know, and now I just heard that, you know, Walmart is trying to compete with Amazon, which that's a big no-no. Don't, the online Amazon is an online e-commerce juggernaut. Leave that alone. This is why people got to stay in their lane. Walmart is good at retail stuff. That's why they have the leverage. Is at retail. You already got more than 70% of the market. Stay there. Not only that, you're not known for innovation. That's not who you are. You're known for stability, cheap, everyday low prices, consistency. Meaning consistent bad service, but like I said, that's a whole other thing. But uh, but yeah, it's all transactional. 
So whether it's Walmart or whether it's another place, if they know that if you know that they give bad service and you just go in transactional, you just you just have to schedule it on your calendar where it's like, I really don't want to come here, but they have the product that I need or they have the service that I need, so I just gotta deal with it. It you just try to get it over with before you know it. That's pretty much it when it comes to transactional, but but yeah, people don't understand that. And that's usually with commodities. Because brands understand this. Now, like I said, you still can have some big brands like Walmart that are transactional. But more than likely not, when it comes to the small business owner, they're usually a commodity. It's just transactional. And then they want to know why they don't have a thriving and sustainable business. It's because you just transactional. If you treated people with respect and treated people how you really should treat them and you think long term, not just the money that they're spending with you, then you wouldn't really have this problem. Which gets into the second part of this, is which is relational. When it's relational, you get repeat business and you can also get referral business. Repeat business. Once again, if you have a long-term thinking and you're intentional and strategic about this, if you continue to give them good customer service and you understand how to run a business and you have long-term thinking, they'll buy from you over and over and over and over again. You'll have good cash flow. You won't have to burn through your burn rate and you won't have to live off your gross. Yeah, you'll have people coming in over and over because they want to do business with you because they know, like, and trust you. They had a great experience. But people are not thinking about this. They're not, like I said, they're not thinking about the future. They're thinking about right now. He came in today. Cool. Do you wonder why he may not come in for another six months? So you may not see him till two years later. And you wondering, hey, weren't you here before? Yeah, two years ago. Oh, well, what happened? You really want to? Yeah, tell me what happened. He can tell you about the bad experience. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, wow. And then you start seeing that more of a pattern. Now you you still can't figure it out because it's not you. It's, it must be them. You know, they're the customers and they're paying. It got to be them. It can't be you. So. But, yeah, it's because you have more transactions. Now, you have repeat business. And then, not only that, even better, is referral business. So, when you got customers coming in constantly spending, and then they tell their family, their friends, their confidants, their associates, everybody that they deal with, and then they come in and buy too, that is great. It's called word of mouth advertising, word of mouth, word of mouth networking. That's how that works. This is why a lot of brands and stuff caught on like wildfire. It's because if you were strategic about giving everybody a great customer service and client experience as you possibly can, they'll repeat that. When they repeat that, they'll tell it to somebody else. It's what Hollywood and the movie industry, we do it all the time. You try to make a great movie. Cool. You're going to always have people that go to the movies when movies first come out. They like the movie. Alright, cool. I like this company. So I'ma keep, you know, I'ma keep supporting this company or movies like this. Who knows? They might even go see the movie two more times. So they bought one ticket. They liked it. They liked the movie so much. They'll go watch the movie three or four times. I know I've done that. My best experience with that was um Pearl Harbor. When Pearl Harbor came out, I seen Pearl, and that's a long movie. I'm telling you, that's a long, that's almost like a three hour movie. That movie is long. 
I saw that movie like three times in the theater. Yeah, and I paid every single time. I didn't skip in or none of that. I paid every single time for that movie because it was a good movie to me. I liked it. So I went three times. Uh, I had a good uh, friend of mine, Marcus. I remember when The Mummy came out, or it might have been Scorpion King, one of those that came out. It was either, it, it came out like in 2001. And yeah, me and him, we went to go see it three times together. So as you can see, it was a great movie. It was a great experience, and we had a good time, you know. And at that time, you know, we thought we were living large, even though we were, you know, we were in middle school. But, you know, every single time, the movie theater, and we also like the movie theater, and they also gave experience. So, every time we ordered popcorn, we ordered, you know, uh, candy, we got drinks. I mean, we, every time, concession stand at the concession stand at the concession stand. So, like I said... The movie, um, the production company in Hollywood made their money, and then the movie theater made their money off of the concessions, you know, from us. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then referral business, like I said, that's even better. Uh, the best example I can think of referral business I have ever seen, and uh, shout out to uh, uh, Yaritza Cologne. Which now I think she's Yeditsa Feliciano. She got married, but uh, when I was working at the bank, and Yeditsa was one of our top bankers, and you would have thought Yeditsa was a car salesperson, because she had a lot of people lined up to talk to her. A lot of people. Yeditsa always, usually, more than likely, gave a great customer experience. And every once in a while, you know, there were things outside of her control, but. For the most part, Yeditsa always gave a great customer experience. And me and her worked on a lot of collaborations. Where if I know if I had a p- good potential client, I'd be like, hey, you know. I, and I'll even big up, hey, you got to meet with Yeditsa Cologne. You know, she really going to take care of you. She's one of the best bankers that we got. And then what happened? The next time when they open up their account, they'll come back in. They'll be like, hey, man, y'all, I really appreciate that. You know, yeah, I met with Yeditsa. It was a great experience. This and this and that, you know. Thank you very much, you know. I really appreciate that. Boom. Customer had a great experience. That led to a great banking relationship for the bank. Led to, you know, good recognition for me as well. But I wasn't doing it for recognition. I was doing it because that was the right thing to do. I was intentional. I was thinking long term. Which led to get it to thinking long term. And then our branch and everything else. And that's also why we were one of the top branches, you know, in the Tampa Bay market. But it was the master at referral business, the ma- I mean, she had so many appointments, it wasn't funny. And you have people that'll come in there in which they'll wait. And if you didn't, uh, you know, apologize to them, and they'll come back the next morning and wait for you this, uh, and then they'll, you know, conduct their business. Well, sometimes they'll set special appointments with you this, uh, but you this uh, was our, you know, our top performer. But that's because she understood repeat business. And if most small business owners did that, and they were relational, meaning that they have repeat customers that would send them referral business, then you have the a great business. It'll be thriving, and you won't have to worry about you know the stress of going out of business. So um, that's pretty much it. Recap. 
the three biggest mistakes that all small business owners make. Number one, not understanding how to run a business. Number two, not understanding the importance of good customer service and customer experience. And then three, long-term thinking, focusing more on relational, repeat and referral business instead of transactional business. Thank you for listening to the Paradise and Perspectives podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time out to listen to this podcast. We really hope that you got some value out of this podcast and that this podcast will assist with you changing your paradigm and changing your perspective so that you can live the life that you was meant to live. And we look forward to seeing you in another podcast episode. Thank you and have a good day.